0: Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Seems today, just like back then, many people have many answers. So who was the real Jesus? And how do we come to know him today? In his book, Counterfeit Christ's, Catholic apologist Trent Horn takes on the phony versions of Jesus and makes the case for the full truth and beauty of who Jesus the Christ really is. I'm a big fan of this book, folks. And I think after hearing from Trent, you will be as well. Let's get right to it. Here's my interview with Catholic apologist, Trent Horn. Hello, Trent. Hello, John. All right. I, first of all, as I said, I love the cover of the book. I love the title of the book. We're not going to be able to get into all the counterfeit Christs that you speak of in the book here on this show, uh, but let's talk about the one that annoys me the most, or the two, which you most certainly speak to, I see here. The first one, we'll just get into it. Jesus was just a nice guy amongst other nice guys. He didn't make any waves, the do-whatever-you-want kind of Jesus How do you respond to that kind of Jesus, that kind of counterfeit Christ in your book?
1: Well, what I do is I go back to the words of Jesus himself and show that people who make this objection, it's probably the shallowest objection to the real Jesus. Hmm. It comes from a modern, sentimental understanding of Jesus that takes maybe one or two things he said out of context and fails to grapple with who Jesus really was, and that's Jesus was not just a, a go with the flow, doesn't make any waves, nice guy. Uh, the most obvious question you could ask in response is, who crucifies nice guy? Sure. Uh, why would why would people want to persecute someone like this or his followers? Rather, Jesus uh, made radical claims of identity, of having a unique relationship with the Father, because he was divine himself, the Father's only begotten Son. Uh, And in doing so, he criticized uh, both the religious and secular leaders of his day and held them to task under the light of God's judgment because he stood in the place of God because he was and is divine. Uh, So I go back to Scripture and show that Jesus' radical claims do not conform with an idea that he was merely a great human teacher. You could say he was out of his mind, I uh, mean, you can't just say he was a nice
0: guy. Yeah, it never seems in the gospel that anyone ever encountered Jesus and left the same, or they encountered him and kind of took a middle way. I mean, they, they either fell to their knees and worshipped him, uh, or, you know, they wanted him crucified. They they either left everything and followed him, or, you know, they wanted to throw him off a cliff in another story that we read. So, I mean, I, and I think you're getting to that here in the book, at least it seems like. Again, you don't encounter... The real Jesus and aren't moved or aren't or, or, or just remain the same. Let's get into the one that annoys me uh, the second most: prosperity Jesus. Um, you know, we we talk about you know you give some here and and you're going to get a whole lot back in return. Um, the problem is, I think, we seem to equate the gifts that we're going to receive from God when we turn our life over or when we give of ourselves to material gifts that we're going to receive in return. Why is the prosperity gospel kind of Jesus a counterfeit Jesus?
1: Counterfeit Jesus because Jesus never promised us uh, material uh, rewards in this life. Jesus, uh, God is certainly free to grant those to people, and He does. But nowhere does Jesus promise that because of our faithfulness, we will be rewarded in material ways. He does promise that faithfulness will be rewarded with spiritual gifts in the next life, but not necessarily in this life. And the prosperity gospel itself is really a counterfeit gospel with a counterfeit Christ, Uh, and that can be easily disproved by two lines of evidence. One, the existence of very faithful, very impoverished Christians around the world. Hmm. And second, even more powerfully, Uh, It can be disproved by Jesus himself, who was poor. He was not a beggar, but he was not among the rich of his time. He railed against the rich of his time. The prosperity gospel talks about wealth being the ultimate end. That really contradicts Jesus' stern warnings when it comes to wealth. That Jesus himself was among the poor. Uh, He said the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head, even. So uh, it doesn't really work that when we follow this Jesus, we follow material blessings, rather than the ultimate spiritual blessings God promises for us.
0: What's your best case for Jesus uh, not being an ancient myth?
1: The best case for Jesus not being an ancient myth is that the sources we have for Jesus are radically different from the sources we have for other ancient mythological heroes. Uh, people like uh, Romulus or Horus or Mithra... Uh, we have, you know, petroglyphs, or we have writing stories about these individuals that, have, that, that are written long after they supposedly lived, or they set these individuals as occurring in, the, in a mythical realm. Whereas with Jesus, we have uh, reports, we have reports from eyewitnesses and those who spoke with eyewitnesses uh, set within a few decades of, of the events that transpired. We have the writings of St. Paul, who knew the apostles and went and spoke with them firsthand. Uh, So we have all of this evidence that puts Jesus within a Jewish context, and you have to keep in mind that the Jewish context of the first century in in Judea was very hostile to pagan influences. Hmm. The Jewish philosopher Philo records how Pontius Pilate installed golden shields in Jerusalem that contained a blasphemous inscription, and the Jews rioted at that. And so if they would riot uh, merely an inscription on golden shields, why Why would they accept uh, a pagan copycat myth, as some people like to purport that Jesus is? It really doesn't add up to the evidence that we have.
0: Political Jesus. What's your response when someone says if Jesus was living today, he'd be a Republican or a Democrat?
1: I would say that Jesus, of course, knowing the scriptures full well, would cite us back to uh, the Psalms. And in the Psalms, it says, put not your trust In princes, that we have an obligation to secure the common good, and part of that is involved in voting. But the problem is uh, that political parties are composed of fallible individuals. Their principles change over time. Uh, And so our first allegiance always has to be to Jesus and the gospel of the church he gave us and not to a particular political party. Now, however, that doesn't mean that we should not be involved in politics or not choose parties. Uh, we can apply Christian principles to various political problems to find the best solution for, for the most people. But it would be a fallacy to say that Jesus would definitely endorse a, a particular political solution or party, because that's simply, obvi- obviously, it has not been revealed to us either in Scripture or in the church that Christ gave us. Is
0: this confusion as to the person of Jesus something new? Or in your preparation research for the book found that confusion about who Jesus is has really always been there?
1: It's always been there. Yeah. Always. You go back to Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to the apostles, uh, who do people say that I am? And they're able to rattle off a few incorrect answers people have about Jesus, that he's Elijah, or he's one of the prophets. But then he challenges them to say, but who do you Say that I am. Mm-hmm. That's the real question here, uh, and that's the question that we all have to answer. And throughout history, there have always been people who have mistaken Jesus, and their heresies come back in one form or another. Uh, so you've had people in the early church who believed Jesus was uh, just a—you know—he came down as uh, appeared to be man, but wasn't really man. That's the Docetist heresy. Uh, the Arians who believed Jesus was was almost God, like the Father, but not fully divine. And those same heresies emerge today, and, and, and I talk about this in the book among Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Oneness Pentecostals. Uh, so people have always misunderstanding Jesus, and those misunderstandings of him continue to repeat themselves uh, throughout history. Mark Twain once said, "History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes," hmm. and, and you see these heresy, similar sounding ones popping up again and again and again.
0: You talk about religious counterfeits to to Christ, and we just talked about some of those, but also you say that atheists in our culture today, and we see the rising of it, no question about it, can misrepresent Jesus. How so?
1: Uh, Well, we addressed that earlier with the pagan copycat myth, uh, that some atheists will say Jesus never existed at all, that he's an amalgam of other ancient savior myths, which doesn't correspond to the evidence we have. Another point I didn't bring up earlier was that these ancient savior myths only sound like the story of Jesus superficially. Hmm. So when people say Mithra or Horus were born of a virgin just like Jesus, that's not the case. Horus came to be when his mother engaged in relations with the dead body of his father Osiris, and Mithra came into existence fully grown from a rock neither of which is a virgin birth. And the same thing occurs when you look at alleged resurrections in the pagan world and things like that. Other atheists will argue and put forward counter-apologetics on the resurrection uh, to say that Jesus never rose from the dead or that he rose spiritually from the dead, that the first disciples only believed in a spiritual resurrection, not a physical one. Uh, And so in my book, I show that these arguments against the resurrection uh, don't
0: succeed. One of the things I enjoy about you, Trent, is is there seems to be a system to your way of of arguing. I mean, we hear you on Catholic Answers take on people who are completely opposed to a certain church teaching, and you never seem to get angry. You certainly don't resort to name-calling or hanging up on on someone. I mean, I I know you wouldn't say you're perfect in this area, but was this something kind of self-taught for you, or did it take years for you to get to this point?
1: Uh, Well, both, certainly. It comes partially from my own personal reading and these different subject areas, but a lot of it comes from just practice over the years, especially when I used to do pro-life evangelism on college campuses, where you have to be able to engage people charitably and learn how to have these difficult conversations with people. And so that's why I try to model these conversations, both on Catholic Answers Live and also on my own podcast, the Council of Trends. C-O-U-N-S-E-L, uh, there where I, I've now started having people come on the show uh, who, are, who are not Catholic to have conversations over things we disagree about.
0: Yeah, it's a phenomenal podcast. The book Counterfeit Christ's Finding the Real Jesus Among the Imposters." You can get it at shop.catholic.com. That's shop.catholic.com. Otherwise, you can go to your local Catholic bookstores. If they don't have it there, they will order it for you. Trent Horn, always an honor, my friend. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So there you have it, friends. 220 pages of meat to chew on. Trent doesn't mess around here. He's clear, real, and most importantly, faithful to the traditions of Christ Jesus and his church. And it's just quite frankly refreshing. Again, do yourself a favor and read Trent Horn's Counterfeit Christs. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting them to take part in the show. Visit our website at yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.